Seven, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three. Good luck, studio. Wow. Oh, it's that time again. Uh, Paul Chandler's going to start this whole thing he does. It's called the Shylock Podcast. It's probably going to start any minute now. Anyway, I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, sit back and relax. All I wanted was a pie. And then I hatched out of an egg. Okay, bring the mic over. He's ready to record. It's the quiet ones you've got to watch, you know. Is it metaphorical? Is it, is it deep? Is it deep? Look at the boy. He's got all that shy is right. Blimey, Governor. It's the Shy Life Podcast. Hello and welcome to yet another episode of the Shy Life Podcast with me, Paul the Shy Yeti. How are you doing? I'm alright. Um, so what's this episode going to be about? Well, it's going to be a booksy episode, but uh, not quite uh, in the way we've done before, Like, not like the book club episodes. My mum will be involved. Do you remember the telephone box? No? I might have to explain it all again. All right, well, let's run that theme music. When we come back, I'll explain to you exactly what's going on and how a red telephone box and a load of books are connected. Okay, run that theme music. Darling, it's a shy life podcast. <laughs> you won't find a cast of characters like this everywhere. I'll, I'll go anywhere for a potato. Delicious. Hello, campers. How are you? You quite like a big bang, don't you? Oh, yes, Go Shy Yeti. Oh, I hope you haven't found out my secret. I think he has. If you thought that was flat, just listen to this. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for it to begin. It's the Shy Life Podcast. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm strangely drawn to Yeti Uncle John's ankles as well. <laughs> Has the Shy Life podcast slowed down? I don't think so. It's all gooey and meaty. Yum, 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 yum. Has anyone seen my hot sausage? <laughs> okay, so for those of you who have forgotten, um, in the village where my parents live, where I grew up, there's a red telephone box that stands opposite my parents' house. It's right by a little grey and green hut. Um, Well, yeah, the roof's green. Well, I think it is. Maybe the sides are green. I'll have to go and have a look. That's how I picture it anyway. Um, The little hut uh, was... uh, I don't know. It's never really got the best of use. Um, I guess it kind of stored things, like the lawnmower that was used to to mow the, the churchyard. Um, but uh, there was a, a ping-pong table in the little hut. I don't know where that came from because it's never been um, sort of widely available. It, it was widely available to me because my dad had the key to the little green hut. And so the hut appears in quite a lot of Sutton Park episodes and the, we were able to use the inside of the hut in scenes of Sutton Park. If you've ever seen uh, Mr. Trowbridge, uh, Troby 
doing scientific experiments on a ping pong ball table. Um, that's where we filmed that. I think he must have had the uh, key for many years because I do remember having a sort of little mini disco in the hut with some of the uh, the kids who uh, I used to hang around with. We were wearing our Wellington boots though, so it wasn't a very cool disco. Or maybe it was the coolest disco ever. I'm not sure. Anyway, don't know why I'm talking about the little green hut because uh, we're really meant to be talking about the little red telephone box outside the little green hut. Now, we have discussed this before. The little red telephone box ceased to be um, used as a telephone box, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe more, when telephone boxes became less um, uh, popular because everyone had a mobile phone. But if you were ever in a car and you couldn't get access to your mobile phone, then uh, you'd be a long way from, you know... Anywhere to better, you'd have to go knock on someone's door, I suppose. Now there's no telephone box. Anyway, I have talked about the red telephone box before. When the phone box fell out of use, uh, rather than have it removed, because red telephone boxes are quite iconic in the UK, or, or they were, we were lucky, actually, because red telephone boxes were replaced in the 80s by glass phone boxes that had no lasting appeal, probably. But our red telephone box stayed. Um, I don't know if there was ever a discussion about why it stayed. But there was definitely a discussion when it fell out of use um, that we should keep it. And I think it was bought off um, whoever owned it, British Telecom or whatever, so that we could retain it. And back when I was a kid, um, well, or a teenager, when I've been reading my diary, you'll hear mention of me making phone calls to friends, and a lot of those phone calls were made in the phone box when it was working. So I'm glad that... Uh, and I'm pretty sure there were plenty of episodes of Sutton Park where I make pretend phone calls on the phone as well. So somewhere there's video footage of it, well, <laughs> back when it was working, even though I was pretending to make a phone call. Um, so, yeah, I, I have a lot of fondness for it myself. And uh, anyway, somewhere on the way after the village bought it, it became used as a sort of, um, well, I guess a bit like a, a charity shop. It's not a charity shop because no money goes to charity, but uh, a place where people bought things they didn't want. People could swap things or, well, you didn't have to swap things at all. You could just turn up and take something. And it's been extremely popular. And my mum, her librarian background comes to fore and uh, she likes to display the books in the phone box to their best. And when there becomes gaps, so much gets dropped off at the phone box that uh, she has to keep some of it in the house and then bring it across as there becomes room. Otherwise, it would just be a complete mess because there are shelves in the box. There's only so much space where the books can be displayed. And, of course, it's not always just books. It's um, tapes and CDs and uh, sometimes videos. Not everybody has a device to play them on, so they don't always go quickly, or sometimes they do. Um, people seem to come from outside the village, um, uh, people arrive in cars and take things. And uh, if nobody takes things, eventually my mum and dad take the stuff to a charity shop in Salisbury. But uh, anyway, and I thought we'd talk to mum about some of the stuff that she's got, sort of waiting to go into the box. And then we'd go and have a trip over to the box and see what's over there. And I might also talk to you about some of the books I've been reading myself recently. 
We may have some other clips, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll just have to see how much... We'll just have to see how much nattering this all generates. <laughs> um, anyway, let's, uh, let, let's go and see what Mum's up to. And uh, she can tell us exactly uh, what, uh, what she's got in store. Like in there, I can see at least one book in there that I that I like, but I don't want it because I've read it already. Oh. The John Irving book, A Prayer for Owen Meany. I think that's one of the first books that oh, yes. Callum lent me. Yes, I've read that. I can't, I can't see it. I Bassy in with those. I'll bring some more in. That's the nothing maker. Nobody's going to get rid of that box. That's uh, next. Whoops. Wait. Have you got it? You've got what you want. Look, I'm going to record in there. All right. I'm going to get any books in there. <laughs> I've been a bag over ever, I hope. Here we are in the. Uh, Phone box. The ceiling looks a bit weird. Paint's all peeled. Uh, anyway, we're not looking at the ceiling. Um, so we've got one, two, three, four shelves of books. Another shelf with some knickknacks. There's also a suitcase that looks beyond its best, and uh, a little, and maybe a table. Two tables, maybe for, well, definitely for babies. <laughs> but uh, got the love songs of Shirley Bassey. What else have we got music-wise? I've got more Shirley Bassey. It's mainly classical or Shirley Bassey. Um, Book-wise, we've got Wilkie Collins, The Moonstone. Got lots of other books. Uh, thrillers romantic doodars I'm just trying to see which ones I recognise Patricia Cornwall Chaos The Bone Bed don't think I want to sleep on the bone bed um, Jill Mansell Kathy Bramley Freya North they all look like romantic doodars Autumn by Ali Smith Tracy Chevalier I don't know whether you get more variety in a place like this with sort of, you know, a village where there's people with different tastes. What I know is that when I used to work in Belgravia, there was a Red Cross shop. And uh, because all the houses around there were very posh, you either got books that people read once, so they arrived very, very well-preserved. 
And I, I presume the clothes would have been pretty good. I presume the clothes were clothes abandoned by people in the big houses. The, the owners rather than the staff. I don't know, maybe it was the staff. I wasn't really looking to buy clothes. But, uh, got Martina Cole. Uh, yeah, that John Irving book, I mentioned a prayer for Owen Meany. I read that one. He wrote Cider House Rules and those other books. I, I went for a stage of reading a lot of his because Callum liked him and he used to recommend them. I uh, haven't read one of his for a long time though. Uh, there's a book about Rhodes. Rhodes as in the Greek island. Um, Kate Avey. She's a journalist. Um, the Nation's Favourite Love Poems. Bill Bryson, Notes from a Small Island. I've read that one. Uh, Grumpy Old Men. Uh, that was a, I thought that was a TV programme. The Diaries of Sir Henry Channon. There's uh, an autobiography by Julie Walters. I think I've got that at home. Something by Anne Robinson. Uh, the Pelican History of Medieval Europe. Lisa might want that. Then there's some bigger books. Essential Cell Biology. Uh, I know um, Trevi's not into biology. A book about Renoir. By Rocking Chair Across America. Goodness knows. Gardening with Containers. Soups and Stews and Mash. There's some kids' books. Charlie and Lola. We honestly can look after your dog. Um, Thomas Tank Engine. Yeah, it's quite a few kids' books. Mum has organised them. So the little ones, the books are near the bottom. Roald Dahl, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's a classic. Some Ina Blyton. I don't know if more recent editions of those have been altered in any way. Secret Seven, though. Nothing I want. We've got the Glenn Miller story, if you're interested. I think Glenn Miller falls into the 1950s, which uh, Martin and I have been talking about. Um, no, nothing I want this time, but... Uh, oh. Book of Curries. Mm. <laughs> well, I like curries. But, uh, yes. Uh, something for everyone. Fortunately, the only things that I got excited about, I've read already, so... But yeah. Come to the phone box, and uh, all these books are free for you to take, should you want them. And Mum has got bags and bags of others at home to replace them. There we go. look and see uh, what books I've been reading recently I can tell you about. I mainly read, I mainly read them on my phone now. Uh, although I did read a, a short thriller that uh, Toby lent me. 
which I actually I'll come back to in a bit. I guess the books I'm going to mention are ones I've finished in the last month or two. There aren't any dates. There was a book of short stories by Patricia Highsmith that I, I enjoyed called Under a Dark Angel's Eye. Of course, Patricia Highsmith wrote the Ripley books, amongst many others. The Talented Mr Ripley is still one of my favourite films. I very much enjoyed that. Now, when I bought um, Under a Dark Angel's Eye, I, I actually bought a hard copy, which I gave to Toby. But um, it was quite thick, and I thought, well, I'd like to read it myself, but I don't think I want to read a hard copy. I think I thought it was the complete works of Patricia Highsmith, but it was actually a selected... But it was actually selected short stories. But they did do a quite a good job of selecting, like, quite different types of stories that she wrote. Yeah, there was a good mix. Uh, I read a short Stephen King book called Later, which was supposed to be a crime book, but was more... Well, certainly uh, had a strong supernatural element. But I, I enjoyed that. I've read a number of Stephen King books recently. Um, then I read... What else did I read? Shirley Jackson, We've Always Lived in the Castle. That was very good. That made me wish we'd studied a book like that at school. And it was written in the early 60s. But, uh, well, it covers sort of topics like bullying and... Um, but, yeah, there's a, a mystery element. And the, the main characters are very interesting and... Uh, yeah, it's just a really good book. But I was talking to my mum about it and, and she never heard of it. In fact, she never heard of Shirley Jackson. And she was working in public libraries around the time that book came out. So so I don't really know how well Shirley Jackson was known in the UK in the 60s. Or maybe just not in that part of the country where my mum lived. I don't know. I mean, um, The Haunting of Hill House has been a... Uh, a series that's done well on Netflix recently, and that was written by Shirley Jackson. Um, but how much people pay attention to, to that fact, I don't know. I really enjoyed We Have Always Lived in the Castle, and I want to read more. I, I actually saw the film version of it before I read the book, and the film version's not bad. I'd like to rewatch it now I've read the book, but uh, about the time I read that, probably about a month ago, maybe a little bit more, I was reading a book called Joyland by Stephen King, which is set in the early 70s at a, um, a fairground uh, where the main character is working during the summer holidays. Um, it, it, again, quite a short Stephen King book, but I've enjoy I enjoyed it enough that I actually went and bought it again in, in hardback because I thought it was one I'd definitely go back to. A lot of his books are rather too long for me ever to probably go back to them because there's always so many new ones. Maybe... Who knows? Maybe one day. But the shorter ones are preferable for the point of rereading anyway. Joyland was also, I think it's from about 10 years ago, and it, it's another one that was billed as a crime book, but is far more, there's, there's more to it. There's a supernatural side to it. Uh, what else did I read? I read a book called Assigned, which was all about the TV show Saffron Steel. Nick had a copy of it, and I realised I didn't know it existed until I saw it on Nick's shelf. And he said it was good. And I found it was available cheaply to buy digitally. So, yeah, I read, I read that. I've been re-watching some old Saffron Steel stories recently anyway. So, yeah, that was a good book. Um, 
Now, I mentioned that Toby had lent me a book, uh, like um, a hard copy of a book. It was a very, th- a very slim thriller, probably only about, was it even as much as 100 pages? I can't remember now. It was written by Frederick Dard, um, apparently the master of the French noir, and uh, it was called Bird in a Cage. I kept wanting to read more chapters. It was very, just an interesting little sort of murder mystery where the main character sort of gets drawn in. I decided I'd quite like a copy, and uh, I found that there were four of his books all sort of in one uh, compilation uh, for, for a very reasonable price. So I've got, I've got three more of his to read, and I've got Bird in the Cage, uh, like my own copy of Bird in the Cage. But around the same time, I also... There was another of his books, The King of Fools, which, although it's initially set in France, it moves to Edinburgh... And uh, it's, yeah, the, the main character follows a girl that he met uh, on holiday. Um, I guess these books are probably set in the 50s. I think he did write over quite a long period, but uh, um, I think this is one of the earlier ones. And, uh, yeah, this guy follows this girl over to the UK, over to Scotland, to Edinburgh. She's with a husband who she claims is uh, um, mistreating her or that they're not very happy, and he thinks he's got a chance with her until he discovers that uh, there's a little bit more to the story than he first realised. There's another one that was kind of, you know, all the chapters are quite short. Well, I'll just read one more, I'll just read one more. And again, it's not much more than 100 pages, and suddenly it's very quickly gone. Back in the day, I'd have easily read that sort of in one sitting, but uh, I, I find at the moment I read three or four books at once, and I read a chapter, and then I move over to another book. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't say I've passed through my um, reading autobiography phase because I did read a lot of autobiographies. I read um, Susie Quattro's autobiography earlier in the year, or was it late last year? And, and you know, there's a whole series of autobiographies I've read um, over over the last few years to the point where I was very rarely reading fiction, but I have been reading a lot more fiction recently. What else have I been reading? Um, last year I started reading uh, some books by Ramsey Campbell, um, horror writer. Uh, I read The Grin of the Dark. That was a particularly good one. That's probably one of the best ones I've read. It, uh, yeah, it was about this guy researching this old silent comic and sort of being haunted by the footage that he found. Yeah, that, that was that was a really good one. I also read Demons by Daylight, which is a short story collection, and The Wise Friend, which was also... Uh, I think that was the first one I read. Then I've read short stories. And then I've read this. This next one I'm going to tell you about is is the fourth um, Ramsey Campbell book I've read. I'm never quite sure how good he is with dialogue. You know, sometimes it sounds a bit staged or a bit like it's off a soap opera. But uh, um, and the characters in this one, Thirteen Days in Sunset Beach. I think there were probably too many characters, and also quite a lot of them were quite unlikable. But on the other hand, I did really enjoy the fact that it, it was like a mixture between Carry On Abroad and a horror book. <laughs> that's, that's really not a good description. Except to say that it is set on this Greek island and this family go over there and there's... It's sort of the 13 days that they're, st- they're staying near this near seaside resort which is a bit sort of known for a rowdy reputation the locals don't like to discuss it and 
yeah, there's lots of sort of mysteries and and things that come out about something that lives on the island and is sort of really um, taking possession of the island. Um, and it's, uh, so, yeah, and it leaves you thinking. Um, I don't want to say too much, but other than to say it, I, I did enjoy it. But it's like a family holiday. But like the main character, I say the main characters are probably this husband and wife who are near retirement, and she's very ill, and she has and they haven't told their family. So I think it's probably her son and their son and daughter with their families come to the island. So it's like a big family. When I say family holiday, it's like yeah, the, the the whole family, including the kids and their families, and um, and and they were. A bit annoying. The, not the main characters. I liked the husband and wife, but then there was the the kids with their partners, and then their kids. Um, about three of that. So there were quite a lot of names to get used to, and, and some of them didn't sort of necessarily have a lot to do. So you know, they'd be mentioned, or they'd have a few lines when they were going for a meal, because although sort of sinister things were going on. It wasn't evident to everybody who was there. So there was quite a lot of dialogue that was just very banal, sort of, don't go playing off with the local kids or don't, you know. It, so it probably probably would have worked better as a TV show. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I did enjoy it, but I did find some of the characters annoying. and uh, But I did sort of find myself reading whole chapters. Like, quite, some of the chapters were quite long, depending on what happened on the day, because each chapter was a day. And some of the chapters were very long, and I found I'd sort of read the whole chapter and having intended just to read half of it or ten pages worth or whatever. So, yeah. Um, then I read City of Death, a Doctor Who story. It was based on a, a Doctor Who story written by Douglas Adams, although this was written by James Goss. James Goss. It's one of the best Doctor Who stories from the 70s. One of the best Doctor Who stories, full stop. And, you know, there's a lot of humour in Douglas Adams' script. And uh, James Goss sort of certainly keeps all of the best lines and then adds to them. Because obviously it's a bit different when you're you're writing a novel from a script because you're able to sort of have sort of um, maybe what characters are thinking. And, and uh, yeah, it, it was a very, very good book of a very good Doctor Who story. And really one that anyone could read, even if you've just got a basic understanding of of, of Doctor Who. It's uh, it's with Tom Baker's Doctor, the fourth Doctor, and his companion Romana. And it's set in Paris, and there's an aristocrat villain who isn't all he appears, and there's time travel, and the Mona Lisa, and art theft. It's everything you want. Everything you want, really. So that's the sort of sci-fi that I enjoy. I, I'm not so keen on sci-fi in spaceships, but uh, something like City of Death is uh, my <laughs> like perfect um, form of sci-fi. A little bit of crime, a little bit of mystery, a little bit of um, you know some monsters, some, some scary bits, um, time travel. But uh, yeah, there is a spaceship involved. Not only the TARDIS, but another one. But uh, yeah, um, all very good, very good. Other than that, I'm reading a book called Mrs. March by Virginia Fieto. 
F-E-I-T-O. I'm not sure how that's pronounced. It's um, sort of written in the style of, I don't know, maybe a, a Daphne du Maurier or, or something like that, where, where it's a woman who's uh, starting to doubt herself and starting to doubt her husband and wonder whether he's not trying to embarrass her or... Um, I'm about 40% in, and I'm not quite sure where it's going, to be honest. I like the idea. I like I liked it, although um, the wife is maybe becoming a bit annoying now because she's so um, sure there's some sort of conspiracy going on. She's beginning to wonder, is her husband a murderer or is somebody... Uh, oh, gosh, how much more can this go on for? Something needs to actually happen rather than her theorising, but whether it will or won't... Um, I don't know. I do like the way it's written, and I like, you know, what it's trying to do. But I just feel like it's got to a point where something need, needs to occur. I, I, I like the original conceit that um, her husband's a writer, and when she bumps into people um, who have read the new book, that some of them start to mention, "Oh, you must be so pleased that that the main character is uh, based on you," and. Uh, and she she thinks just a minute isn't isn't the main character really awful and like not at all the way that she would like to be pictured, and uh, and then she starts to think does is that the way my husband thinks about me that I'm like sleeping my way around town or something, um, so I, that was quite amusing but I'm just not sure where it's going yet, I will I will persevere. Um, now the last book I'm reading and this is what I'm still reading is another Stephen King, and it's one of the longer ones. Um, and it's from from the, yeah, from his, I guess you could say it's from his early period, it's certainly within the first ten years of him writing. And uh, I, I guess I never thought about reading this one because I, I don't know if I knew it was so big, but it's Christine about the car, um, and I wasn't sure whether I wanted to read a book about a car even if it's a horrible car, or an, or I don't know. I don't know if the car is going to be horrible eventually, or just protective of its owner. I shall find out, I expect. Um, I'm about 20% in, I think, so my phone says. Luckily, the chapters are relatively short. There are some longer chapters and some shorter ones, but, um, yeah, it means I, I'm progressing, although, yeah, I'm not quite sure, because there's a lot of character development of the people in the town and... And it's told from the point of view of a friend of the person who bought the car and how it's affecting his life, um, having bought Christine, how things are changing for this other character, for this friend. Yeah, it's interesting. I've heard from other people that it's one that they like, so, so I'm glad I'm reading it. It's definitely a good idea to read it digitally, though, because I think it's a quite big volume. I can only think it's because of the subject matter that I avoided it on my earlier um, sort of on my earlier visits to reading Stephen King. Uh, but uh, anyway, I'm reading it now. But I think that's quite enough, though. Um, so, yes, those are the books I've been reading. Quite a range. No autobiographies, really. Just the one factual book about Saffron Steel. But uh, um, still, uh, I've been enjoying pretty much all of those books. Uh, yeah, I... There were one or two others that I started and, for whatever reason, I thought, oh, I don't know, I'll sort of let them slip. There's one book that I started reading that was written 
I'm never sure about the different tenses. It's it's not it's not first person. It's not um, um, it's it's basically she's she walks in the room and she sees this and I found sometimes I find the tenses that people use. Um, I prefer the past really, people, or, or or at least the first person. But it, I just yeah, it can really sort of mess with my head. There were a couple of other books I started which were similar, where it was the tense. And I was like, oh, I don't think I can read this book. It's just too annoying. <laughs> but uh, maybe I'll come back to them. I can tell you about them. Maybe I'll get used to it and I'll enjoy them. But we'll see. OK, um, we have to be somewhere else now, so uh, let, 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 let's go. I hope you're reading books and enjoying them. Um, there's a lot of good stuff out there. But it's not just the blockbusters. Well, I guess Stephen King is sort of a blockbuster, I guess. Christine would have been a blockbuster in its day. All right, um, let's move on. Hello, listeners. It's me again, Cuthbert the Robot. We've not spoken in a while, although I will be back on the show for a longer appearance in future forthcoming episodes. Anyway, before we return to Paul and his mum, I have a sudden park clip to share with you from 1998, from around the 2000s edition of the show. I do hope you'll enjoy it. I'll be back in a little while to introduce something else, so have a listen and I'll speak to you again later. Well, at least, uh, at least they won't get the, uh, I spat it out. I don't think any of it dissolved in four. Well. Remember, Paul? <laughs> oh. I said, <laughs> I said, when you least expected it. What? It would be back. The, the noise, the and box, where is it? The transfer has already begun. What? The box? It will overwrite your new memory, replacing it with the old. Leaving you in a perfect state of uncertainty and bewilderment for me to put an end to you, Chandler. Where is it? Where is It's too late. <laughs> you can't stop it now. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, my memory. Stop. Nothing's changed. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Nothing's changed. So tell Carry me. It back. So tell me, what happened after I gave you the candle? Nothing's changed. Come to that. Who is he? He's Basil. Are you sure? Yes. Nothing's what changed. What was that name again? Nothing has happened. Basil. Basiltius. Basiltius Archon. And you're Beckel. Well, obviously. Nothing's changed. Hey, something's changing now. I can feel a rumbling. Ah, the beginning of the end of Paul Chandler, I believe. No, the ground. Indeed, precisely what I mean, you fool. What? Because shortly you shall return to Birmingham, as will the rest of Sutton Park. Moving? The entire landmass shall move back to Birmingham, and we shall begin a new, a new regime. A new regime with Bakov at the helm. With the power of Azrael, I shall bring about the end of Paul Chandler. And a kingdom, a kingdom for Bakov, a kingdom that will bring about, that will bring about, oh, such evil naughtiness that I just can't really explain. <laughs> it's moving, the ground. Yes, I think we've established that. You fool, Chandler. 
<laughs> you could have had it all, but you've blown it. What do you mean? Careful. Stay back. My memory's not changed at all. No? No. Who won the World Cup in 1964? I don't know. I never did know. <laughs> I never did know. I didn't know. Come on know. then, 65, when did you 66. Lose your 66 was Britain, England. When did you lose your, lose your virginity? <laughs> hey? What? When did you lose your virginity? I, shut up. I don't you know. can't remember, can you? <laughs> Keep her. <laughs> Keep her. Oh. Hello. Ah. Oh. The land is breaking up, Chandler. Mm. Yes. Be careful, Chandler. You might You're fall rising. into the cracks. Which brings me to an idea. Something. Cool. Would you mind just keeping him uh, occupied for a time? I have something to prepare. Butter, why are you doing this? Why are you working with him? We were never used to have Because I have to give you your memory back. I it's got... in the rules. Why were you we? weren't guilty, so I have to give you it back. As far as I know, you may be. Well, you probably have done. I don't know what's going on. Because, think, Paul. Remember this. It's not back off. What do you mean? It's not back off. Look, it's either. Remember. What are you doing? Remember. Remember. Ah, oh, get off! And now, dear friends, it's the time axe. to say goodbye. The axe. What about Lisa? He's got the axe. That's the axe he was going to take. He's got the it. axe. Lisa was merely a ploy to get you here, Chandler. I wasn't going to come anyway. Please I take note that I am prepared. I have. I am fully in control of my faculties. <laughs> the axe does not possess me. I possess it. With these, the enchanted handyman's gloves. You mean I, you don't feel like putting up a nice set of shelves? Not at the moment. I've got a much better idea. Keep away from me! Mine. Oh, don't worry, Chandler. It's not you I'm after. You fiend. It wasn't just Chandler I brought here with that ploy about Lisa, you fool. You fell for it, didn't you? Back. It's didn't only you? the first time this week. Oh, it's also You're the too last. Late. He knows. He knows what? You're not back off. I don't understand what's going on here. I don't understand it either, you fool. <laughs> it's so hard to... to deceive me. No. Yes. Goodbye. No, I've known all... No. No. Oh. No. His head. Oh. <laughs> no. No. Yes, Chandler. Uh, uh, <laughs> Look, isn't it bloody and disgusting? He didn't cut it off properly. Oh, hang on. Oh no! Oh. There we go. Oh. <laughs> Keep away! Keep away from me! Now, Chandler, tis your turn to die! <laughs> Meanwhile, elsewhere, Paul. Basil and Bakov experience strange phenomena in Sutton Park. Meanwhile, elsewhere, Lisa continues filming her play, just as Jay and Co. wander past, searching for Paul.
some it's Blake Seven, you know. It's a very, very good. We are here and doing the end before we do anything else. So if you'd like to see my end, then um, I'll, I'll see you later. Three bits long. Three lines long. I can't do it. Okay. Yeah. Right. That's a good start, actually. That's a good start, that. Oh, sure. yeah. Oh. And you can make, make it. Yeah. Oh. 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 Yeah
but then they also it didn't make that much difference because although they used it more they usually brought the books back <laughs> so that's partly how it all accumulated situated under the piano mm. it'd be very difficult to use the loud or soft pedals at the moment <laughs> and that's and i have used that piano in the time that i've been doing the podcast and there were books under there i can see i, I can see stephen king it uh, I, well we I, get we get duplicate sorry duplicate copies for example, especially if somebody like Dan Brown, mm. um, uh, Robert Galbraith, we've had the cuckoo's calling. Whether it's the same copy which people read and then they bring it back, I don't know. But I have a feeling that it comes back so regularly that it's it's, it's just it's a popular book and other, various people put it in. <coughs> penchant for murder mysteries. I must admit. You see, what's that crime? What's that crime club one? That's <laughs> um, usually nothing like Agatha Christie, but I presume it's not in this case because you just gave me a load of Agatha Christie's. Yes, yes, we had a whole, well, not a whole set, but um, a good proportion of her novels in the same series. Um, occasionally, we get really really ancient ones which I'm never sure whether I should actually keep or because we can't take them all to the charity shop because if they're in a very poor condition they're not going to be able to sell them they're going to sell them for salvage but then they go into our really bin at least most paper. of mostly paperbacks aren't they which is at least because when we well, years ago when I worked in a library where there was fiction but it wasn't like the main focus of the library um we had a book we found out we could have a book sale because there were some we just we were getting new ones and we needed to get rid of but unfortunately somewhere on the way people had got rid of the they were hardbacks and people had got rid of the covers and they weren't like famous blockbusters so you, you're li literally putting your money in and taking your choice because it is often very hard to work out what sort of books they were or what the subject matter was because sometimes they had a very small blurb in, printed on the inside of the the cover but I don't know who got rid of the... either just whether the covers are just all... Well, they are so cheap now. I mean, literally, <coughs> you, can, you can buy two, three books, paperbacks for £5. Yeah, at least um, with the paperbacks, you don't lose the... You can, you know, you've still got the blurb and and, and you... Yes. I mean, there's quite a few the, things that I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know the name. I'd, there are a few like authors I've heard of, but there's know. a lot I haven't heard of. Whether to, whether to chance them. I'm not sure about the woman in the window. I, I'm not sure if that's the... I don't, I don't know the author. AJ something or other. Finn? No. But I, I don't. I don't know if. Finn, that, yes, F I N. I've seen something on Netflix, which I think I don't know if that's a it's a parody of that or whether on it's the, on on the other book the book they made a film of because there was a film made. Well, I saw there's a thing on Netflix which is like the woman in the window from across the road from the is like so it, I think it's supposed to be a spoof, but it wasn't. It came came away not being much of a spoof and just being 
about a woman seeing another woman getting murdered or thinking they'd seen another woman. Yeah, well, that was that was a film they did. The, the older books, because sometimes if the covers are very tatty, I do take the covers off because they don't sit well on the shelves. If Peter, Peter James. But, but they Pil- don't go that well. Jeffrey <laughs> Archer get a lot of and he's not popular. Um, he's written a lot. Same with James Patterson. Very few of those get... Um, Marion Keys, I've heard of, taken. but I wouldn't know, really know what sort of exactly what sort of book she wrote. Um, no, I I don't. Um, we don't get we we usually get fairly decent standard of books. I don't have to veto them too much, but I wouldn't put in the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, for example, because. I can't police who who reads the books. Mm. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of inappropriate fiction, but I, I thought, well, I won't let that go in for the use of the village to um, take home. But some parents might be rather cross about it. Um, yeah, I recognise a few... Uh, is that Fulcher or Pilcher? It's got a shiny... Uh, Rosamund Pilcher. Yeah, I recognise Yes, her. I mean, she's... I've never read any, but I imagine she she's not um, a romantic... The real Barbara Cartland romantic author. I think there's a bit more substance to them, like Joanne Trollope. I'd probably get sued for saying that. But I still, although she covers important issues, Joanne Trollope, she's... What I would call a, a light, a, a light. Detail. There's Anthony Trollope there as well. Pardon? There's Anthony Trollope. Yes. Barchester. Barchester. Towers. Towers. Yes. Um, um, I. I do find, have to sometimes <coughs> with truly finding out if a book is fiction or non-fiction. That's the ones that annoy me the most. The genre where. Um, there's one called Red Red Tractors in Poland. So you glance at that, and there's a picture of a tractor, and you think, now, is that a children's book? Is it a non-fiction book, really, about tractors that they use in Poland? But it's a novel, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and I have made some mistakes in some of those. Uh-huh. Um, like, there was one about... Um, it had on the cover, I can't remember the name of it, but it said, the equivalent to three men in a boat only going up a mountain. And the fact that was non-fiction on a bit of perusal. I've read, well, I've seen the TV adaption of, I presume that's Nine Perfect Strangers by Leanne Moriarty. I've seen the the TV version of that. It had Nicole Kidman in, in it. It was filmed in New Zealand, I think. I watched it. Yeah. I don't think I'd want to bother reading it. I, I, I wasn't sure I came away with with there being th- that much plot, considering how many episodes of the program there was. No. Not a terribly thick book either. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I don't know anything about Clive Custler. I recognise that name. I don't, um... Oh yes, that's yeah. Again, I, I'm not sure whether he's not ghosted as as. I don't know whether that, that's a, my expression, like James Patterson, because he 
he has a plot, I presume he has a plot a bit like Wilbur Smith, but I'm not sure that they did all the writing. I like... I um, think they may have have um, others that fleece it out. Like, um... um well, uh, sure the horse, whether. the horse books. Um, what's his name? Um, the the crime horse books. I've read some of them. Oh, by Dick Francis. Dick Francis, his wife's supposed to have written most of those. I, I'm not sure whether Cusler isn't like that as well. Ken Follett. In fact, in fact, he definitely is because on that one it says C- Clive Cusler, and then underneath in small print and Boyd Boy, Morrison. Morrison. Mm-hmm. But I presume <coughs> the plot is. <laughs> It isn't. It is the, it is the um, well-known author's idea, but it needn't necessarily be so. And I've never read. I've never read that Stephen King book, but I've seen the films and the lo- the longer ones. Always. I'd be quite I, happy for you to take one, twelve, a dozen, <laughs> twenty. I don't know. I mainly be. I am reading a long Stephen King book at the moment, but I'm only doing so on my phone because I, uh, I've got more lot chance of getting through it when I'm not actually having to, to hold it up and, and read it. Um, Bernard Cornwall, oh, he, didn't he do Sharp? And Lisa likes Sharp. I don't sharp, yeah. We get a lot of Cornwall ones that they're more... Um, of his ones that he wrote going back to, is it the 10th century? I'm not mm. sure. Um, so tribal fighting and we get a lot a, a lot of his Ken Follett we get quite a lot I recognise that Kate is it Kate sorry Kate Moss like but it's not Kate it's not the model but it's Kate no that's quite good actually oh another I, say, I was looking at another one. Oh, uh, yes it's Moss Kate with Moss an e, with an e yeah. the taxidermist's daughter it's different I see one called Labyrinth by her as well obviously somebody who liked her and got a few of her books. Yeah, sometimes, um, sometimes you get um, a whole series of them that, uh, well, quite often actually, of the same author. And I try and mix it up a bit, unless it's definitely a series, because um, it's got, well, there's only two shelf also. If somebody doesn't like that particular author and half a shelf is is with them on it there's not that much choice for them so I do try and mix them mix them up sometimes people I think they're learning not to because we have fiction non-fiction and children's Um, but one particular lady used to come every week and methodically put the larger hardback books together irrespective of whether they were non-fiction or fiction and she used to put them all together um and mix them up, which annoyed me no end. But I think, she, I think she stopped doing it now. She got a bit bored because I'd immediately <laughs> change it back again. Didn't you get that? Uh, we had that book written by John Nettles about Jersey, or was Berger- it about Bergerac? Yes, Bergerac. Uh, um, yeah, sometimes get the. We got another copy. You got. We had a copy that we had from the time, but you got one in the phone box, which was signed by him. So. Yeah, sometimes get signed copies. We had. Um, who else have we had? We had an American comedian, um, Jenny, can't remember her surname, who was the court correspondent. Jenny Murray. Yes. Um, Didn't you say you got a lot recently? There was sort of... 
I'm quite sure what genre it was, sort of fantasy, but sort of... Yes. But very, very much a niche, if you like that sort of thing. Yes, a gentleman, who should be nameless, I don't know, he certainly didn't live in the village, happily turned out, had a good turnout in his garage. And I did throw out three or four, which were too tatty, but mostly he must have a very waterproof, damp-proof, garage because they were all in good condition mm. but he literally had six carrier bagfuls stuffed to the gills and they're all of fantasy like sword and, swords and sorcery type things or yeah. like dragons and dragons and yeah which, which i'm gonna have to we, we will have to take to the charity shop i'm i'm putting them out one one or two at a time but i can't see them really going in the village um, it, I would have thought Terry Pratchett would have been quite I mean I know he's um, a bit different from talking about that but um, I would have thought he'd been quite popular but they don't seem to go mm-hmm. there were a few things where I looked in there that I, I read already so I didn't want to and, and most, mostly uh, quite what appeals to me and I do read quite different things but um, of I mean, course I have got quite a lot of myself that i put aside that I'd like to read mm. but they're not under the piano mm. uh, the puzzles, are they your puzzles? Are they, they, they're, no, they... no they're pu- puzzles are popular they, they go yeah but they're, they're donation ones, not your ones no, so, well some of them are, are mine um, but... I noticed it wasn't just books in there it was all sorts Yes, it's generally um, take something and bring something. The idea originally was uh, we've got large gardens throughout the village on the whole and people were getting surplus to requirements. And in the summer we do get a certain amount of runner beans and tomatoes and beetroot, onions and carrots etc put in there raspberries so people can get rid of their surplus and um, take something they perhaps haven't had there are books that men and women read and books that you think only men would read and only women would read but that's not necessarily the case I mean depends on how much you like hopping genres Uh, um. I don't know we have one gentleman that always when we change the non-fiction books, which I, I change them about once every three weeks or uh, once a month, depending on how quickly they go. Though at the moment, the only non-fiction I have are the ones that are out there and they they fill one shelf. Um, but he obviously likes anything to do with the military. And I know very well if, if there's one or two military books, as soon as he sees them... He'll, he'll 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 have have those, but as far as I know, and he, and he brings military books as well. But I don't really. We have as um, lady <coughs> gentlemen that regularly go for a walk every morning, and she usually looks in there every day, and um, because she reads a lot and she likes the puzzles. Yeah, lady maybe. down the road reads reads an awful lot. They are mainly fiction. I'm surprised there's not more, or, or like I don't know, sort of stocking filler books like 
based on TV shows or or well, autobiographies about footballers or I was looking at one because somebody had put it in the fiction and it was the characters from the Vicar of Dibley mm. no not that one what was the other one that was the Vicar Tom Re Rev, Rev, or something. The Rev, Rev. Well, it's the <coughs> book, because I looked at it, and it's got all the characters on it, and then I thought, well, no, it is actually, it is actually the book that the, um, the series was based on, mm. so it's non-fiction. And inside I opened it, and I won't say what vicar, but it said, on, congratulations on your ordination, in 20, and her name, mm. her, in 2014 I thought oh dear <laughs> <laughs> she she didn't think much of her ordination present <laughs> um, yeah because I'm reading more fiction myself at the moment than I I went for a stage where I was really only reading autobiographies but uh, um, it depends yeah, no, not not that many there's that's all one or two in there so like Julie Walters, but I think I've got that one. Um, yes, I mean, was, some people. So it depends how much people hold on to books. Biographies don't go very well. Which ones? I, I had all of Jeremy Clarkson's. They went a bit, mm. but um, film stars, those sort of biographies aren't aren't popular. They usually get sent to the charity shops, and and in all honesty, that that they always very very pleased to uh, receive anything um, because I was afraid that some of them will say no we're only taking hardbacks or, or they sort of look to see what you've got if they can and then if they don't want any they'll say the opposite so if you've got a load of paperbacks they'll say no we're only taking hardbacks if you've got hardbacks, they say, oh, we're only taking paperbacks, which I thought was rather strange when I took some paperbacks in once. <laughs> but the ones we use now, the Red Cross and um, there's Oxfam, which actually in Salisbury has got a shop which is dedicated to books only. Mm -hmm. Cap is another one that um, take them. And... and uh, very pleased to have. We could take them up to the hospital because that has a, a book section um, run by the friends of the hospital. But I would have to sort those through to be decent hardback books because they're charging five pounds a time and, when I, and things like that. Well, back when I was having to go to the health centre quite a lot because of my legs, I, and I, I did go through some of my books, but I was used to, well... I think I sometimes used to get there before the, before they even opened, so I, so they never got a chance to tell me what they could did or didn't want. I I, I just left it on the door on the doorstep with a load of other people's bags. But, uh. a, a lot of them must go well. I'm using the phrase pulp fiction, don't they? But not in that respect. You should, uh, <laughs> put a track pulped. put a tracker in some of these books and see see, see where they jump. You know. I've always thought that would be interesting. It would be the same thing with over there. We get um, re for for recycling because I call I like to call it a recycling centre. Actually, uh, um, I mean we've got a a muffin maker at the moment, which is pristine. It's not ever been used, um, and we've had 
various other. We've we've had bread makers, um, pasta maker, lots of microwave even, but we had to ditch that. Um, but but there's certainly some of them come and they're they're virtually in the, in their boxes, and I think they've just been Christmas presents. So there's always a, a little bit of a rush after Christmas with that's the best time to go and see if there's anything. I mean, we do, we do have the car boot people that come round quite regularly to see what's there. And you, I don't mind them if they can make a few pence in the car boot sale. Because technically, a book could you could you could have somebody come and visit a friend who said, who 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 has a book they've read and they're about to take it to the church shop and their friend sees it and. And they say, "Oh, you take it," and then that then it goes back up north or something, and then then they go on holiday somewhere and leave it wherever they've been, been on holiday. And someone else, so I'm sure sure they do wander around quite a lot. So, oh yes, I've, I've had ones. We had <coughs> some which were very early, which dates in them like given to blah 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 2016 on the occasion of your 21st birthday or something or. Um, and again, I'm not really sure but whether there may be some value, but then if somebody's put it in the telephone box, they don't value it very much. So I'm no authority on antique books. If it was in if it was in really good condition, but the ones I'm talking are, are usually half falling apart or stained. And I think even older books have got to be in reasonable state before they they're worth much money. Uh, well, we'll keep an eye and see what, what you've got yeah. Yeah, in another six months. See how how much is swapped around. And, uh, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't even get to the ones <coughs> at the back. So. And uh, opening this part of the house as a bookshop at this rate. <laughs> well, I think I'm going to have to be harsher and um, eventually just get it down to a reasonable amount. Just keep taking every week taking some to the charity shop uh i could i could probably quite happily feel about three telephone boxes actually <laughs> um uh, maybe they don't they don't they don't reproduce like that unfortunately <laughs> well i think that, i think there's a certain number of people perhaps put the books they've read in but they wouldn't really consider taking a book i mean, I mean people don't mind using like public libraries now on the whole that they like to have it new and they open it and it's mm. it's new to them and nobody else has had it so and then when they've read it they'll put it in the telephone box but they're obviously not going to take a book that's been i mean sometimes i don't think the book's even been opened i think again they've been gifts mm. uh, and uh absolutely seem absolutely new although some of them are so niche and sort of particularly that that um, uh, people who bought them bought them because they must like that particular author because they're not they're not well they're in a certain genre that you 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 wouldn't presume that somebody you wouldn't just buy it for somebody unless you knew that they like that author. Oh, well, um, well, um, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it. We'll that keep, chapter? Yes, we'll, we'll close that chapter and see. Yes, <laughs> um, may your may your books keep being borrowed or taken 
um, I should pass them on to other people and not bring them back in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Mm. Take them themselves to the um, charity shop. that's all we've got time for i hope you enjoyed hearing more about the little red telephone box outside the little green hut opposite my parents house which is a repository for books and various unwanted cds and tapes etc um and uh yeah it's going strong it was uh, going strong when we first mentioned it many episodes ago and it's still going strong to this day so um yeah it's a it's a nice way of uh, sort of sharing things that people no longer want and i had some good things um from from that uh little box there's a uh, a book that my mum got it's about gin now, i have a book about gin but this is a much bigger book about gin with a lot more detail so i'm quite pleased with that and a load of Agatha christie books arrived not long ago that uh, Toby has uh, taken ownership of. Um, nice hardback editions, better than the ones he had. Um, I haven't brought them all home yet because um, I'm just taking them in small, um, just in twos and threes, because uh, I, don't, um, I don't really want to be carrying a massive bag of books home, but they'll get back to my flat eventually. Anyway, so yes, it's very popular. Um, uh, very, very popular indeed. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We've got plenty of episodes in the can. So, uh, yeah, you take care and uh, we'll uh, we'll have more for you soon. All right, take care. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye. This show is part of the Pride 48 Network. Find more shows over at pride48.com. Oh dear, (laughs) what's going on now? Oh, it's the Shy Life Podcast. Let's go. I have a voice. I have a voice. You have a voice. You have a voice. We have a voice. We have a voice. Unique voices in podcasting. Univospods.net. Hello again, listeners. Before we go, we will finish by sharing with you a new composition by our friend Muffly on tour. This piece is entitled Herb Garden, and we would like to thank Muffly for allowing us to debut it here on the show. Have a listen. I'll also say goodbye for now, listeners. 
See you soon. Kiss. Kiss. Enjoy the music. Exclamation. Outside the phone box, on the uh, notice board, there is a strange-looking item inside a plastic bag, which has been there for nearly a month. Uh, it says, one freshly laundered leg found in Lower Road last week. Freshly laundered is in brackets. Now, one might wonder what sort of leg that was. Looks like a teddy bear's leg. How it's come unattached from the original bear, I'm not sure. But it has and now it's hanging off a notice board and nobody's come to collect the leg someone somewhere has a teddy bear without a leg i feel quite sorry for that leg if i was into making things i'd probably stick some eyes on it and t- turn it into a a worm or something i don't know how strange 
one freshly laundered leg. Uh, if you lost your leg, anyone listening, there's one here. But uh, you'll need to be a teddy bear for it to fit, I think. It could be an arm, I suppose. Mm, perhaps it's definitely a leg. I'm not looking too closely. Might have nightmares. Oh my god, there's nothing I like better is when another new episode of the Shy Life Podcast comes out. <laughs> does, does anybody know if Yeti Uncle John has returned from space yet? Is he still out there? No, I think that was a wonderful episode. Okay, let's just shut this one out. Get it going.